everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Dr. Tamara Beckford Show. It is a cold day throughout the United States. I am here with my lovely, lovely sister doc here, Dr. Isabel Amique. We are going to jump into all things rheumatology, and we're going to also talk about this really powerful part of her life and her journey. You are looking at a survivor here, not just any survivor, but a stage four breast cancer survivor. So she's going to tell us about her journey, how she overcame that, and how this is helping her to be an even more wonderful physician. So you do not want to miss today's episode, okay? All righty. Now, I know you're sitting there and you're like, man, oh my gosh, I'm really busy. I might not get all of this episode. I can't get it all in one sitting. Have no fear because our wonderful doctor will be available on our Your Caring Docs website. So just go to yourcaringdocs.com. That's U-R-C-A-R-I-N-G-D-O-C-S.com. Look at Dr. Isabel's beautiful face and you just <laughs> click here under that podcast tab. You'll be able to hear all of today's wonderful interview, right? And if you are a doc and you're like, I have a story to tell, I'm like, okay, I would love for you to come on the show and tell us. So you can do that by sending me an email at drbeckford at yourcaringdocs.com to book. Do keep in mind, we are booked out three months in advance. Why? Because so many wonderful doctors are out there and you guys are doing some amazing things inside and outside of clinical medicine. All right. So with all of that, now let's go and get to talking about our wonderful doc. So my lovely, beautiful, look at that beautiful smile, Sister <laughs> doc here. She is a graduate of the Pierre and Marie Curie University yes, in Paris, France. Now I practiced that. Everyone that went to the university, you could give me on a scale of zero to 10. How well did I pronounce university? <laughs> That's okay, because we love, love, love you. I know that you guys are one of the top research universities in the world. I think you guys are ranked like 36 in the whole wide world and like number one or number two in Europe. So, you know, only the top, top, top of the people go to that wonderful university right there. She's also did her residency in Lyon and she decided to move to the United States and she did her residency again in Mount Sinai West in New York. All my New York people, I know I got that accent down, my New York, my New Yorkers, alrighty. <laughs> then she did her fellowship at Columbia University and she did it in rheumatology. She is, like I said, a stage four breast cancer survivor and she is an academic clinician, a teacher, and she is one of the researchers and leaders at a well-known, world-renowned um, institution in Denver, Colorado. I'm talking about the one and only, my sister doc here, lovely person, met her in person, really love her spirit, and you will love her too. Dr. Isabella Me. What, a, what an entrance. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Wow. What a what an introduction. It's like, whoa, who I, who is this? Is it is she I coming know. in? Like, yeah. It's you. That's awesome. Yes, welcome. I'm so happy to have you on. I know it's been a while. We saw each other a couple months ago. It was so great. Mm -hmm. Person, yeah. lovely spirit, lovely energized doc, and very passionate, 
passionate about, you know, taking care of her patients and how she can do it in the best way possible. So I'm love for you to be able to express all that I was able to feel and when I met you in person, for you to be able to let others know about that too. So, you know, in order for us to really get to the root of all this, I want to start at the beginning, Dr. Isabel. So when was it that you decided, you know what, I want to be a doctor. I want to go into medicine. Mm. Tell us that story. Um, there's so many of them. So <clears throat> the first one is uh, when I was a kid, uh, my dad brought us, I think, you know, he was uncomfortable with those questions of how do you make babies? <laughs> he, brought, he brought us a book of anatomy. Mm. And so there was anatomy with a baby inside. Like a mom. <laughs> and so, yeah, exactly. And I remember just looking and, it, you know, I probably was like five, six, something like that, pretty young. Mm -hmm. So could only look at the pictures and I was like, that's really neat. We're, <laughs> we're really well done. Like we're really like, this is yes, cool. how did they put that inside there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now, yeah, no, no, they explained everything. Like I think that was the spermatozoid and the other oh, thing. Wow. Like you, you were like, yeah, there were pictures of that. And then you would like see the baby like, inside oh, and the baby outside. And so I think that that's the first time I was like, wow, this is really neat. Like there's so much to learn. Mm -hmm. Then fast forward, I, I kind of, I wasn't that great of a, I, in school after a while. So um, I wasn't sure I would be able to become a doctor. So it kind of like left. And then when I got to choose, so in France, you finish high school and you, you can basically get anywhere and then, mm -hmm. you know, pretty much free. And so I was like, oh, I'm just going to try medicine. It's hard. I'm going to try the hardest thing first and then we'll see. <laughs> so I tried medicine. I remember sitting in the, this was, I, I, I will remember this for my whole life. I, so I'm sitting, there were like 800 students in this amphitheater. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, a, it's an exam. It's a ranked exam. Only, I think at the time, 60 people out of the 800 would go into medicine. Right. And I'm sitting and I'm listening to physics, which is weird. I don't know. And I'm like, wow, this is where I want to be. I want to learn medicine. And so it was just like this moment of like, I'm going to be a doctor. I don't know wow. what it's going to take, but I'm going to be a doctor. And um, yeah, it was hard. It was super hard because I didn't know. <laughs> of course, yeah. and I know. You made it through. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't know. One of the 60. Well, not right away. I had to do it again, uh, like hey. a lot of people did at the time. But um, yeah, even even doing it, even the sick, like you know, even again, it's pretty impressive. But oh, I, I just remember, I was just like, "Wow, this is it. This is what I want to do." And and then from now, from that moment, like every year was just better than the previous one. And look, you know, learning how to learn mm -hmm. that was like super important. And then. And then coming to the U.S., I had to learn again. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, and, and ultimately I was like, yeah, but this is fun. This is all the things that, you know, learning the Krebs cycle again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if it really helped me, but I convinced myself that it did help me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was yes. like, okay, this is going to help yes. me. Well, I no, need to remember. Okay. Yeah. Lactic acid yeah. I need to here. remember the okay. pyramid kinase, <laughs> pyramid kinase, you know, this is yes. going to help me better. Uh, but yeah, no. So yeah, that's, I think that that's when, you know, just kind of this, this, uh, this kid's dream, this child's mm. dream and just trying it and then at one point just be like yeah that's it that i'm gonna i'm gonna do everything i can and if i don't make it i'm not you know it's um i'll find something else but but uh i'm gonna give it all i love mm -hmm. it you know it really 
speaks a lot to your determination. As I ask this question and I really hear how it, different people answer the question, it really yeah. speaks to their personality and to their drive. So as I hear this, you said, yeah, you know, you had a curiosity when you were around five or so. That curiosity, your dad's like, uh-oh, I'm not going to this. You know what? Here's a beautiful book that tells you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> From my standpoint, I thought that you would have had a book that just showed the baby and mommy's tummy, but you said, no, the book started from the beginning, you know, yeah. from when there was inception and the cells multiplying and all the way till the baby's delivered. You yeah. had that curiosity that you looked through all of that. Now, there were different points in your life that you thought, well, maybe this isn't for me, blah, blah, blah. But then you got bit by that bug sitting in that physics class. And as you got bit by that bug, that bug never left you. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. It never I left. That love and that joy yeah. of learning to the point that you did it in you did it in French and you came back and did it again <laughs> in English. Yeah. The yeah. crab cycle of all. Now, if there's anything that makes a lot of us cringe, is that crab cycle? Like, oh yeah. my gosh. I love yeah. it. All right. So now you're here, you know in the u.s so you've come what actually made you decide to move from paris to the u.s ah so <laughs> you know it's funny because i don't think i've ever thought that i would be in the u.s uh being a doctor in the u.s like not mm -hmm. in my wildest dream you know um i met i met my so now ex-husband my ex-mate my husband in india he's like mm -hmm. the smartest doctor i know so I mean, oh my gosh, like the Indian doctors are unbelievable. <laughs> and so, yeah, like I had finished medical school and I knew a lot, like I knew a lot. It's probably, you know, the sum of the career, you, you know, a lot about everything and then, mm -hmm. you know, specialize in like something, or, but I knew a lot because it was, again, another ranking exam to choose my specialty. So that's, right. it was a big deal. And then I'm arriving in India. So I, I, I was, you know, I was really lucky to be able to do a training. Like, uh, I think it was two or three month training at the end of my medical school in India. Mm -hmm. And they were all better than the others. And I was just like, this is incredible. <laughs> so I probably that's, that's definitely one of the reasons I felt completely in love with my then husband. Right. Like, mm -hmm. um, so, and man, it was just like unbelievable. I really love medicine. So, mm -hmm. you know, I married medicine at that point and, uh, and then and then he was moving to the US. So he did his residency in uh, India and then he did it again in the US. And by the time I finished my residency, because I would not be able to finish to get my full uh, degree until I had finished my residency. Right. By the time I finished my residency in France, I was like, hey, you're getting really good at specializing in residencies. Why don't you come here? And he was like, yeah. hell no, I'm not doing this a third time. Like, there's no way I'm doing this a third time. <laughs> and at that time, I was like, you know, I had done some research in the US to be with him because we were mm -hmm. doing, you know, back and forth. And I was like, yeah, this is actually not a bad place for me to try. Mm -hmm. And so I just went and started like doing the exam, the steps. And and I, I just, uh, yeah, I just you know, really worked hard. And the, the hardest part of the whole process wasn't the exam. The hardest part of the whole process was to make, like, make sense of the administrative explanation <laughs> of, you know, yes, like, this is how it works in France. Like, all those trainings are different. And and so, oh, it was a nightmare. I'll tell you, I will learn the Krebs cycle five times over <laughs> doing this again. The administrative was 
Awful. Awful. Oh my gosh. You were like, I will prefer redoing and learning the Krebs cycle versus going through that administrative process. Five times if you want. Five times. Five times. I mean, any any uh, international medical graduate, I mean, maybe there are some that it's easy for them. I don't know. Yeah. But like, I was one of the first French person who came mm-hmm. and, you know, and, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm oh, still okay. I'm not going to yeah. put you through the torture. I see Thank it in you. your face. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I see it in your face. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Alrighty. Woo! Made it through that process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once you're in, you're right. in. But once you're in. Though process you decide you know you're here you're going through the residency but you chose rheumatology what so made I had, you decide to do rheumatology i had already chosen rheumatology so i'm a rheumatologist back in france uh, oh, rheumatologist nice. in france yeah what, what and brought you to that specialty it's the best specialty in the whole world that's why <laughs> okay shout out to all my rheumatologists all right shout out to dr dada dr amig uh-huh. and all our celine. other rheumatologists yeah. dr celine yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the best. I mean, look at us. We're always happy. <laughs> even, even when we're burnt out, we're happy. Now, um, it's so much stuff is like, there's so much in rheumatology that I love. Mm-hmm. Intellectually, it's fascinating, right? Like you have the immune system. Why is it that the immune system sometimes decides to go on its own mm-hmm. and like create inflammation, right? Like, yeah. you know, we saw it with COVID. Why is it that some people who are super healthy and all, like just went into this cytokine storm. That's rheumatology right there. Mm. So it is fascinating to me. Then there is this diagnostic, like like it's doctor house, right? I, when people are like, what is rheumatology? I'm like, doctor house, without the <laughs> attitude. Uh, and so that's fascinating. I, I love it. I mean, I just find it really interesting intellectually. And then mm-hmm. there's this longevity of care throughout where you get to know someone and mm. you know they come really distressed. Mm-hmm. They have pain, they are stressed out, they are scared, and you get them to a better place and mm-hmm. where they really get to live their life that they always were meant to live. And to me, that was super powerful. I mean, I I went to my first rheumatology uh, training. That was like one of my first one uh, in France. And <clears throat> it, it was a long time ago now, but we had the first TNF agent, TNF inhibitor agent like Remicade. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm pretty sure it's the same feeling that when uh, infectious disease doctors discovered the protease, protease inhibitor and they suddenly had those patients that were getting out of the hospital mm. when they had only seen them die. Well, so that was the same thing with Remicade. Like suddenly you were seeing patients who had been crippled that all life couldn't function when our steroid had complication from steroid. And suddenly they were able to function, have babies, wow. you know, and I was hooked. I was hooked. And, you know, when I came to the U.S., it never, I mean, the the the, the most interest I've always had was rheumatology. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to change my specialty. Like, I love this. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not changing. I love oh, this too wow. much. Yeah. It's you cool. know, the power of seeing what you just mentioned, the just one medication. Yes. Just, you know, the dedication to, to treating a an illness. And to see the impact of that treatment on the life of that patient, that's just so powerful. You said this is someone who was crippled and, you know, there was, steroid was one of the only ways 
to, to treat these um, autoimmune issues. Like, you know, the body's just fighting itself. And then we now have this medication yeah. that's there that is changing someone's life. They're no longer wheelchair bound. They're no longer bed bound. Now they're able to get up and live like you I love the way you put it, the life that they were meant to live. You know, out in public, in like you know, being able to interact with others to start families. Like, yes. how powerful is that? Yeah. Oh my goodness. And you said that you were able to see that one of the first ones there in yeah. France. Like, how powerful. Yeah. Oh my oh, gosh. I saw you do that. So I could see that when you're remembering the whole process of how powerful <laughs> of an, a journey of, of what that patient went through. I can see how you kept it. Yes, <laughs> I can see why it keeps getting better. That keeps getting better when you yeah. came here. Yeah. Alrighty. So now you're here doing rheumatology, but then boom, there's this change and impact. Yeah. Boom. You know, life changing impact that happened and life changing. Tell us what it was like. So you know, you said that you're there long, and then boom, you're getting diagnosed yeah. with so, stage yeah. four cancer. So what were some of the signs what 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 was it that you noticed that made you go and get checked out so this is where it's it's uh, <laughs> uh i feel really terrible i think i'm a very good physician i'm uh, mm -hmm. i have the the clinical you know I, I have skills that are coming from france so it's very clinical mm -hmm. and then you know i did two trainings I'm, I'm very good at my job. I can tell Absolutely. you I'm the worst, worst physician when it came to me. The worst one. That's what they, a lot of physicians are their worst patients. The worst right? one. Um, no, but like, you know, after the, I, I think what happened is that um, I was going for a midlife crisis and mm -hmm. it hit me like, it hit me fast and hard. And mm -hmm. I started like me who had always been happy. I was telling you how rheumatologists are happy. Mm -hmm. Like I just had this realization. So I had done 17 years of training, right? Between mm -hmm. the two residency, the fellowships and like a little bit of extra research. And here I was in this uh, uh, environment, uh, institution that was super supportive, by the way, incredibly uh like it i loved working there but then i realized i was like this is it like this is it for me mm -hmm. and i just didn't feel like i just didn't feel like whatever i was doing meant anything mm -hmm. i i just felt overwhelmed by you know patients care like i i just of course, I still loved seeing patients, but I feel like there was a moment where it was too many, one after the other. So I was trying to also do research while having a full uh, clinical time job. And and so it's funny, you know, later on, as I was diagnosed, I was like, chuk, 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 all of this was there. I was mm -hmm. losing weight, but I was trying to lose weight. So I was super happy. <laughs> so oh. I was losing weight. I had um, night sweats. And I didn't mm. like it. Never so the B symptoms that we call yeah, the totally. But it but never it occurred it. to me because I was so angry at my then husband, right? Like I was super mm. angry at him, uh, which is you know like when you think about it, we're like, why? I was just angry <laughs> at my life in general, right? And mm -hmm. so um, I, I did not realize that what was happening in my body was related to this cancer. Mm. Uh, then what else? I had milk coming out of my breast. I mean. 
come on. I mean, if there's one sign that tells you something is wrong, this is it. But the truth is that three years earlier, I had given breast. I, I was um, not given breast. I was giving milk, right? Breastfeeding. And so it never occurred to me that this was this had stopped and then was resuming. To mm. me, it was sort of this continuity of, oh, yeah, this is just a little bit of milk from, you know, prior, which is, mm -hmm. you know, and you're like, you know, when you start putting them together, you're like, how could I have missed this? Like, how mm. could I have missed this? But the thing is that I had seen someone in November and mm -hmm. the first symptom started in December, so in November, and I had a breast exam and I was feeling great mm. physically, right? So I was climbing, no problem. Anyway, so fast forward, I turned 40 March 13 and then two weeks later, I'm in the shower crying because I'm depressed and and uh, and then I'm looking, you know, you know, you, you know what you're, dip I don't know, hopefully it's never happened to you, but you know, sometimes you're crying in the shower and you're looking at your tears come down and it's that sort of like this metaphor mm -hmm. of the water, you know. Yeah. And then as it, I'm looking at the water down my breast, I'm like, yeah, this, and I'm like, oh, what is this? And that's when I was like, you cannot miss this. Like, And even at that time, <laughs> I came out, I showed this to my, you know, the best doctor I've ever met, you know. And then I was like, hey, what, what do you think? And he's like, ooh. And it's, you know, breast cancer is usually like they say that um, the uh, lower external corner, right? And mm -hmm. this was upper internal corner. So I was like, mm. oh, maybe this is not cancer. Like, maybe this is sarcoidosis or whatever, you know? <laughs> like, I'm like, in You're my like, head, oh, I have it's, depression. It's, it's, it's other nodes, not <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. But two days later, I got a biopsy. And the funny part is that I was going to France. Mm -hmm. And so they are, you know, the radiology suite, they're like, this is cancer. And I'm like, no, you don't know. You haven't waited for the biopsy. You do not know. Stop this. Right, <laughs> and right. of course, they are seeing the lymph nodes. Or it says here, and uh, and they are like, well, you know, this is this is for sure cancer. And I'm like, stop talking, and call my husband. Like, stop. I don't want to talk with you. Right. right. <laughs> and I mean, you know, it, it's kind of awful what I did because if you think about it, I was really mad about my husband then, and then I'm asking him to help me. And he did. He was so supportive. I mean, this man is just a wonderful human being. And um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, there was no denial that this was breast cancer. But like, until I actually got a diagnosis, I was like in denial. I was like, no, I'm too, I'm too oh. good. I'm feeling too good. I'm feeling too good. Uh, but the funny part is that when I got the diagnosis, the crying from my depression and my midlife crisis went away completely. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, someone, some of my friends, they were feeling guilty. Like one of my very good friends, she was telling me about her, you know, stress in life, what I was undergoing chemo. And at one point she's like, oh my goodness, no, I should not tell you this. Like you're going through a lot worse. And I was, I look at her and I was like, no, 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 no. You don't get this. Like stage four breast cancer is not as mentally draining at this, as this, burnout slash midlife crisis that I had. I was in a much worse place mentally than I am now. And I was like, please continue to tell me because one, I feel like I'm alive and I'm listening to your problems. Mm -hmm. And two, I mean, I'm still your friend. Like, I mean, you know, let, let's right. share things. But the midlife crisis, and I, I call this a midlife crisis because that's what it was, but burnout, just like just the loss of hope, and mm -hmm. like looking through and, and then this cancer comes and really changed my life for mm. the better. I mean, you know, I, I look at that time and I'm like, wow, you know, like I'm so much happier now and so much more 
where I want to be fully, like it's not from what other people want me to be or what I think mm-hmm. I should be, like what my ego wants me to be. It's mm-hmm. more like, yeah, me, it's me, me, like me, the fully, truly gem that's inside of me. So you've um, emerged. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, like the Isabel, that's yeah. you emerged yes. from this process. Now, when you're going through this process, there are a couple of things that you've mentioned about like, you know, the complementary and really yes. putting together the Eastern medicine. Yes. And so talk, talk to us about how that came about and yeah. how it affected your journey. Totally. This yeah. This is, I'm so passionate about that. So first of all, Mm-hmm. I'm evidence-based medicine scientist, right? Like I do, mm-hmm. I do research. Mm-hmm. I've trained. I've done. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like you're one of the top. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like research facility in the world. Yeah, <laughs> like and I'm, top, you know, like it's like it, with 36 in the world. That was a uh, piano curie. This, this is like, yes. you know, but and then here in the U.S. So that's 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 your. France training, then you do, mm-hmm. then you have the US training. So exactly. You've been at all the top research. Yeah. And I think world. that this is important to realize that I wasn't someone that was looking at complementary medicine with a good eye. Mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, I was supportive of people, especially, you know, we have fibromyalgia people and there's not many treatment, uh, Western medical treatment that really work for, uh, for this. But mm-hmm. a lot of complementary medicine might work. And I had seen some of improvement with this. So I was like, you know, th- there is something to it. But like for me, like, hey, no. But here's the thing. I was such in a strange place mentally when I mm-hmm. got diagnosed. And I was in France because I had planned this trip for like four days. And, and it turned out that I did my biopsy and then I took my plane right after. Mm-hmm. And then I got I got the diagnosis on the phone, surrounded by my friends and family back in France, right? Mm-hmm. And um and the first thing I did, because I was in the in France then, the first thing I did was to see a naturopath. And that was the first time in my life I saw a naturopath. And like probably people are cringing right now. And they're like, mm-hmm. I would never, like, you know, the, the first impression I had of a naturopath was like, who are those charlatans that are talking to my patients and like telling them that they have autoimmune disorder when they have nothing or, mm-hmm. you know, and whatnot. But the truth is that I had seen my friend emerge from an encounter with a naturopath and what i realized i was like it's not so much the science that are working it's not this but she's using words that are helping my friend Mm. and and so right now i need words that can help me and so Mm. i just went there and i didn't say i didn't think in my head i'm seeing a naturopath what i thought was i'm seeing someone that can maybe make sense of this and as physician we probably don't think that you make sense of a, a, a condition, right? Mm-hmm. So here I am. I know that I have at least stage, I had, sorry, stage three, at least cancer, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And and because of when it came, I needed to make sense of it. And so mm. she basically tells me, so first of all, she was so professional because I was there for like three days. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, look, I'm in Lyon for one day. Because I was in Paris and then Lyon and then go again Paris. I'm here for one day. Can you see me? She actually opens her, you know, her practice to see me because I'm telling her I've just got diagnosed with breast cancer and so on. And like a full, beautiful hour of hope. Someone mm. that listens to me and basically tells me, okay, this is incredible, right? See the cancer not as your enemy, but as a friend that's here to teach you something. The moment you've, wow. it, like any good friend is going to go. And what it did 
is that instead of me being so stressed out about this, and not that the fear wasn't there, mm -hmm. but I started being like, okay, I'm not going to put my energy in being stressed or being angry at my body or, you know, whatever, like that's going to basically fight my body. I'm going to lean in into this and learn mm -hmm. as much as I can. What is this cancer teaching me? What is this mm -hmm. cancer telling me? And that was the moment, like that was a pivotal moment of my life because I was like, holy cow, I did not get this until now. I've been fighting disease after disease after disease instead of taking the patient as a whole. What? Why is this condition happening at that moment? Mm. And the truth is that, yeah, you know, a lot of doctors will tell you like, oh, it's never related to anything. You're like, yeah, hold on, hold on. Like even STDs, right? If mm -hmm. you're totally with you, you're going to take PrEP, you're going to take a condom. Like, what is it at that moment that you decided that you're not going to protect yourself, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so those things, you have to go deep and figure that out, um, at least as a patient. And so that's what I did. I just went into this journey of learning about me. I meditated. I did visualization. And it sort of came into me. I, I was like, you know like resting and suddenly I started like imagining beautiful thing and I started imagining myself old um uh old and with grandkids around me and happy and you know I, I had been so depressed before and right. suddenly and and I like you know everyone is telling you oh you were a mom of small kids I had zero connection with my kids it was awful I had no connection with my husband I had no connection with my kids uh my friends you know, we're in France, mostly I had new sort of friends in the in, in Denver, but very little. Mm -hmm. And I just felt empty and suddenly seeing, you know, something happy. And I was just like, okay, this is where I want to be. Then I'm going to start visualizing. And so I started like reading about visualization, reading about meditation, reading, you know, just, <laughs> this is very interesting. But I had to come down. There was a lot of fighting. Mm -hmm. The fighting wasn't again the cancer. The fighting was my left brain and my right brain. My left brain was like, this is bullshit. And mm -hmm. my right brain was like, but it's working. It's helping. <laughs> but it's helping. But you're experiencing it. And my left brain was like, yeah. <laughs> and so at one point, I was like, lean in. It's okay. I'm going to trust the process. And I'm going to trust this. And I mean, and you know, since I've actually like, uh, and the second PET scan, so the first PET scan showed that I had liver and uh, bone metastasis. And you know, as a doctor, you know what this means. Like, yeah, I mean, in your awful. mind, it's just like, whoa, whoa. I know, this is, yeah. This is yeah. not good. This is not good. Like, it's not, not yeah. ideal, right? Yes. <laughs> but uh, but um, I had an incredible oncologist who had seen me when we didn't know yet that I had the metastasis, because it's actually pretty rare for this type of cancer, her too. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, it's not common, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. And she had given me this beautiful number, right, of remission. And I looked at her, I was like, you know, in rheumatology, we don't talk remission, very little. Mm -hmm. Or it's a remission with treatment. She's like, no, remission. And when we learn about the stage four, she never gave me the number ever. And I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't give me the numbers because I want to be on the good side of the statistic. Right. And because you're already using the visualization. You're, using, you're already using all of those tools, yeah. Yeah. the meditation and the visualization. Yeah. So you don't you want to continue visualizing the number, the positive number. Yes, that's exactly right. So, yeah, it was it was. Um, a pivotal moment, I think that it's the it's the uncontrollable this naturopath who never gave me even like she didn't even prescribe any herb or anything, right? Like we were just talking and just this 
see the disease, the condition as mm-hmm. a friend. Oh, you're like, oh, wait. You know, that, is, that is so, as I listen to you tell this like amazing story, there are a couple of things that come to mind. One, the power of words. Because you mentioned when you went to this naturopath, you went in knowing that you're a a trained scientist that's been working for many years. You trained in France, you trained here in the U.S., trained, evidence-based. But you went there not for only hearing what particular thing she's going to prescribe, but the most important thing that she did for you was to use words yes. of encouragement and yes. to teach you how to lean into thinking about this process. And when you started leaning in, this you know you used those tools, and so it really shows, as you mentioned, that complementary thing of just using some of the tools. The tools might not only be the hardcore evidence-based. Yes. Like, you know, the N, what is the N, <laughs> you know, yeah. what is your Sigma? <laughs> what is like, it really incorporates more than that. Yeah. And even now you're still using it because yes. you had stage four where it metastasized to your bone and to your liver, but you were visualizing yourself as an old lady with grandkids. <laughs> yes. Like how powerful is yes. that Yes. alone? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, that is huge. I, I, yeah, I did so much visualization. Uh, you know, the, the thing is one of the thing that, that one of the way that I calm my left brain, cause I didn't mm-hmm. want to fight, right. Was to actually say, Hey, there is placebo effect. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to be open to the fact that maybe all of this is placebo, but the truth is no doctor is going to give me placebo. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to have to use the power of my mind to have the access to the placebo. And so I kind of saw all of this complementary stuff and I did energy healing. Like mm-hmm. I actually went three times a week after uh, chemo, I would go three times a week uh, that week uh, to do some Qigong healing energy. Mm-hmm. And my mind would be like, why are you doing this? And I was like, no, I'm going to lean it because even if this is placebo, it's helping me. Mm. And placebo can be a lot of percentage, right? So, so we're like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take it all. Like this is all, it's okay. Like it doesn't have to be hard science and I'm going to take it all. Mm. I'm going to take it all. I love it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Just so powerful. So now the day when you found out it was all over. Describe that day to us. Oh, the uh, PET scan? The PET scan. Oh, I want to I want to tell you a story. I'm writing. Nice. I, I wrote it. Uh, I wrote it and I, I hope that I'd have a book at one point to submit this because the, the journey that I had was literally this journey of scientist train mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and then suddenly discovering this and being like, you know, left, right, mm-hmm. left, right, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, stop this. Uh, and uh, this is when I was like, okay. So as part of the treatment that I was getting, I did meditation, visualization. I did the energy healing. Again, that you can, mm-hmm. you guys can cringe. It's fine. It helped me. Uh, and even my oncologist, she was like, continue to do what you're doing. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
uh, but I was doing also massage and massage. I've seen this from, you know, early on in my career um, that we are very brainy. We, we work, we live a lot in our brain and massage okay. for me, I would always do massage after a 24 hour shift. Um, so I, I would have more money in France. I would have a little bit more money thanks to the 24 hour shift. And I would use that money for the massage. So, you mm -hmm. know, and it, it kind of like put me back into my body. Like someone touching my skin helps me put me back into my body. And so I did massage. And part of the massage that I was getting, I didn't realize what it was, but it made me feel good. So I was like, ah, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's craniosacral therapy. So it's like a hands-on type of massage that relaxes you very deeply. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was reading a lot. And there was a lot about uh, the power of intuition. Mm -hmm. And because I had been such a horrible diagnostician for me, I did not trust my intuition anymore. I was like, oh. I, I have a horrible intuition. I'm terrible. But there was this book that I love called The Radical Remission. If you guys have anyone with cancer, just offer them this book because it gives them so hopeful stories of healing. Mm -hmm. And so I was reading this book where people are, it's like almost spontaneous, but there's nothing spontaneous about their healing, but it's spontaneous in the sense they don't do Western medicine. Mm -hmm. And to me, in my head, I was like, oh, look at this. I'm going to do both Western and this type of uh, healing. So I'm going to have right. it both, right? Because I mean, have to. I had stage four, so I wanted to do both. Absolutely. And um, they're in, into this uh, out of the nine or 10 elements that she said were helping those people. She did some really like qualitative uh, research. One of them was they go deeply into their intuition. So I'm, I'm complaining to my massage therapist, not complaining. And I'm like, oh my God, I just met this charlatan. I mean, I'm sure he's a charlatan. He's asking me $500 to go into my intuition. I mean, come on. Like, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm willing to spend a lot of money, but like that sounds really like crazy to have like $500 to meet some person for one hour to talk about my intuition. Like, come on. And then she's like, you know, Isabel, if you want, we can actually do the craniosacral therapy part and we can talk to your body. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, what do I have to lose anyway, right? Right. And so she puts her hand behind my my skull as I'm, you know, close eye after she's done a little bit of massage. And she had told me that she could feel when you're in such deep relaxation state. I, and mm -hmm. she starts asking me, she's like, okay, Isabel, what are you feeling right now? And in my head, I'm like, this is so BS. I'm not even in that. <laughs> I'm not even in that state, right? And I was like, right. whatever. But then I'm trying to talk and I'm telling her, and, I, and it's so hard for me to talk. And I'm like, oh, maybe she knows because I'm. it's really hard for me to talk. I'm like so tired. I don't want to talk. Yeah. And you know when you're exhausted and you're like mm -hmm. not able to. And so I'm like, well, I'm feeling pain. And so she's like, okay, where's the pain? And then at that moment, I'm like feeling that the pain is where the lymph nodes were and where the cancer, you know, at that moment was. And um, she's like, what is it saying to you? And I oh. start hearing... And so, you know, okay, fine. You know, we're crazy here. But like, I hear my own voice, but mm -hmm. it was as if my lymph nodes were talking to me. Mm. And so I'm hearing, why can't you trust us? And I'm like, are you guys kidding me? You went through this, like your cancer, the cancer went through you. You want me to trust you? <laughs> so right, right. So you're really having that moment that you're having a, a deep conversation. Now, this is powerful. Yeah. You're having a deep conversation with yourself, because if you if you start off this whole process, you said you did not trust yourself. You lost trust in your yes. ability 
to connect with your own body yeah. because you saw there were so many signs that you ignored. So mm -hmm. now you feel like there's a disconnect between you, Isabel, the person, the mind, and Isabel, the body. Yeah. So now you're having that deep and conversation I'm having, yeah. Yeah. between Isabel, the mind, and Isabel, the body. So continue. Yeah. So no, that's exactly, that's exactly right. I didn't realize it until after that episode, right? So I'm mm -hmm. talking and she's like, well, so I'm able to sort of tell her, like uh, uh, my massage therapist, well, I can't remember what I said, but something along the line of like, they are telling me that, you know, that, like it's, they are asking me to trust them. So basically I'm like, they are like, you know, I, I'm joking with them. Like I'm joking, but like, you know, hey, it went through. And they're like, yeah, but now we have the treatment. Now we have Herceptin and you're doing lymphatic drainage. We're, we're good. Because yeah. she's asking me to ask them what they need. And they're like, we're good. Trust us, right? I'm like, all right, I'm going to trust you. I'm not a trust. I'm not easily trusting people, by the way. That's not my, mm -hmm. uh, my <laughs> that's, this is that's not like your baseline. Yeah, exactly. In general, I'm like, okay, are you sure you got me? Like, I, I don't trust pilots in the plane, you know, stuff, things like that. Um, and, and then my mind on my own, I wasn't able to respond to her at that moment. I was gone, right? At right. that moment, I go and I talk to the cancer cells. And at that moment, I'm like, and you guys, why are you here? Mm. And what I received was unconditional love. Okay, this is incredible. This is, you know, I just received this, you know, when you see at that moment, right? Like I was disconnected from my kids, but the one thing that I would get is that if my kids were sleeping, so they were twins, so very rambunctious and two, but the moment they would be sleeping, I would look at them and I would be filled with love, right? Like that, yeah. that, oh goodness. Well, it was exactly the same feeling, but it was coming from the cancer cell and the cancer cell look at like, you know, basically tell me because we love you. We're here because we love you. And at that moment, I'm like, well, I love you too. Cause they had allowed me to be who I wanted to be, who I really truly was. And I was finally happy in my life and joyful and grateful for what I had. And getting out of this you know this this horrible uh state that i was before and i'm like but if you love me i need you to live so i can live mm. and and there was no answer but at that moment i was like they're gonna like yeah they, they are gonna leave and i like so the reason i'm telling you this story because you're asking me like when you learned about the pet scan but that is the mm. moment i learned i was like i'm gonna be good i'm gonna be okay all right, mm. two days later. So the reason why I was so stressed out and all this, two days later, I get my PET scan clear. No more cancer, gone, all gone. All, all gone. gone. All gone. And, you know, you can say, oh, it's the Herceptin Pergeta, which is this treatment that's super powerful. Fine, let them, like, let me, you know, yes, it's incredible. This medication works incredibly well. But I am going to tell you, I had this aha, I mean, I don't know, like incredible moment. moment. Yeah, this incredible moment of something really happened, and and it might be in my mind. I don't, I don't really. It doesn't matter what is real, what it's not. Like my experience was that, and and it was just like incredible, like beautiful, beautiful, and mm. and positive. There is nothing negative in that story, right? Like there was nothing oh. negative, and there was just this trust. And from that moment on, mm -hmm. I was like, okay. I've 
I've this I've been a doctor the wrong way this whole time. I've been mm-hmm. I, I've been trying to fight diseases when really what we need is to look at our body and be like, hey, what can I do to help you right now? Mm-hmm. What like you know what do you need from me? And so I tell this to my patient. I'm like, okay, you're gonna like look at the so especially the patient. There's a lot of patients easy easy fix, we, we get them into remission very fast. But there are those patients that are a little harder to get into remission. Absolutely. And so we, I always ask them, I'm like, okay, is there anything that you have learned from your condition? Like, is there anything that you can go back and be like, okay, I'm learning this and I'm learning that. Mm-hmm. And I've seen really incredible outcome from this. Wow. Um, whether it's like, finally, they finally are able to tolerate the medication. And mm. it's almost this moment of, I deserve to be treated. I deserve to be cured. I deserve to tolerate this medication properly. Like it's and I deserve to yeah. be able to live this life. I deserve to be yes. able to to live a good life. To live a good life. Like yes. this is something that I deserve. And so now once they tap into that part of their mind, of their body, of their spirit, and they've connected that, exactly. they're able to, to transition to doing so living that good life tolerating the treatment being able to go out with friends to to connect with family to go to events Mm -hmm. to to make beautiful memories Mm -hmm. wow this is so powerful (laughs) no it's very powerful because i mean like you said you know this this is a story of Eastern medicine and Western medicine. This is a story of left brain and right brain. And it's a story of the conflicts of both. Yes. And then the union and the quieting, the relaxation process, the acceptance that both are good, the acceptance that things that happen within our lives, it's not really a negative. It's it's sitting and sit with the thought and saying, what am I learning from this? How can I learn? And then, you know, the part that's so powerful is that you said when you got the energy from the the breast cancer, the cancer cells were saying that they love you. And you're like, I love you too. But if you truly love me, you will leave my body so that I can live. Yeah. Like that was powerful. And, you know, like you said, you know, there are many that can take different parts of the stories. You can take the the spiritual, the the relaxation, the the open mindedness, the the thought process that yes, it could be the hardcore science, or it could be the hardcore mindset, or it could be the alternative complementary treatments, mm-hmm. or it could be a process of all together, or it could be a process of none, like we said, that a placebo effect. But whatever it is you pulled from it, something that was powerful enough for you, and here you are. Yeah. How many years later this? Uh, it's three and a half. Three and a half years yeah. later. Here you are living this beautiful life. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you have a beautiful story. And I, I can't wait for that that book. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait for that book. It's a fun book, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Alrighty. So now, like you said, you have you knew that there was a reason mm-hmm. you went through this. And it wasn't. And your, your approach to this, like, you know, after you did the denial you, you know, anger, but then acceptance and learning from this process. And now you've used all that you've learned in helping to 
bring exemplary care to your patients. So what are some of the processes that you've seen using that um, the mindset, adding it to the rheumatological, like you said, some of the challenging patients, mm -hmm. like, you know, what, what is the story of a patient that you saw that you were able to do this? And it's just like, wow. I'll tell you, I had this patient. Oh, I have so many stories. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so many. But I, I'll tell you like one that's coming to my mind. Uh, that's mm -hmm. more for the people who are, you know, don't, don't necessarily, they're like, oh, yeah, this is one example out of, right? I have many examples. But mm -hmm. this one. So I have this patient. I had this, I have, he's doing really well. A young guy uh, mm -hmm. and uh, crippled by rheumatoid arthritis, like crippled. Mm. requiring surgeries but he's been moving from places and he's had maybe five or six rheumatologists and not basically everyone is saying that he's non-compliant mm -hmm. and he's angry you know if you've had chronic pain you know it gives you anger you get angry yeah. like pain that's chronic gives you anger mm -hmm. and so i tell him i was like look i know i can get you there i know it but you're going to trust me. You're going to try. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm like, I'm going to do an infusion that's, you know, rituxan. So you do like one at two weeks and then six months flatter. So I'm like, this is not really involved. Like you just need, give me like, trust me, it's going to work. And, um, and then I'm like, I'm going to have you do an exercise and you, mm -hmm. you've got to be open-minded. I'm like, and he's like, okay, you know, and he's very like looking at me like very, very, very guarded and yeah, very yeah. guarded. And I'm like, look, try it, try it. Um, you know, you don't even have to tell me. You do not mm -hmm. even have to come back and tell me. And try it the same way that I'm asking you to try this medication. I'm asking you to try this exercise. I was like, can you try to do to look at what this rheumatoid arthritis has brought to your life? What mm -hmm. have you gained from rheumatoid arthritis? Okay, all right. Six month flatter. I know, but I think it, I can see the first effect. Like, what do you mean? I've gained the inability and yes. this is the more of losses, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But exactly. Actually turn it around mm -hmm. to gains. Totally. And so it comes back in full remission. No more tender joint. Like the only joint that were tender were his hip and he got it replaced. And then no more. This person had like it was between 30 and 40. Like he was young. Mm -hmm. And uh no more pain, no more tenderness, no more swelling. And basically it's the rituxan, like, right? Like it's the medication I gave him, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing that he comes back and he tells me, is like, you know, I thought about your question. You're right. It brought me a ton. Thanks to it, I realized that I had to be an entrepreneur because I had only one life. Thanks mm -hmm. to it, I started, uh, I started going places and, you know, and, and just I realized that I had only one life. And it had this realization and I, my, you know, my take on this, mm -hmm. you know, you like, why is it that for 20 years or 15 years, he had not taken treatment and suddenly, you know, I'm here and I'm giving him a treatment. Like, I mean, I'm not a better scientific rheumatologist than others, right? Like we are mm -hmm. all very well-trained, but my take is that he allowed himself to mm -hmm. realize what this condition had brought him. And by realizing what it had brought to him, I think he was able to let it go and mm. to finally accept treatment for it. He's in mm. remission. He's doing amazing. He sees me like every two years now. He needs to see me more <laughs> oh, often. Wow. Yeah, he needs to see me more often. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I'd like to see him every year. But honestly, I mean, I mean, I want him to have a normal life. Like, and he, you know, only comes in to get his, 
you know, to, to for me to uh, read it. Just to maintain it, just to tune up. It's totally up. fine. Yeah, and I want him to be like that. I want everyone. And, you know, this is one example. I have so many. But th this one really, it's like, oh, there is, like, there is, like, if we had the time to go on every, every patient that we had to mm -hmm. really understand what's going on, I believe that we would learn so much more. Mm. and that the patients would learn and because it has, it is not about us understanding what's going on it's about mm. them understanding what's going on right like it's about patients us patients understanding what's going on and so to me i love i mean i love being a rheumatologist for the science but now i'm like wow like here that, is, that other you know, part you yeah. opened up this, this yes this new factor yes. of yes of care of patient care and just being yeah. able to, to really tap into the this this whole additional aspect of yeah. really helping our patients. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Alrighty. So as we're about to close out, I do have a couple more quick questions yes. for you, Dr. Isabel. Alrighty. So now what are you doing for self-care? You've gone through this tremendous journey. What would you say you're doing now for self-care and to like prevent burnouts? And so you're not at that place anymore that you were before with yeah. the crisis and so on. Uh, so first of all, I'm much more kind to myself. So the number one thing that I've realized is that I look at myself with very kind eyes. Mm. Not, not the, oh, I'm so great. No. No, kind mm -hmm. eyes. And, and sometimes mm -hmm. I'm like, I ate a lot of chocolate. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, but I'm I'm kind. I'm way kinder to myself than I've ever was. Uh, mm -hmm. That that has been wonderful. And so, you know, for example, even though I love the institution I was in, uh, it, it was wonderful. They were so supportive. I love the people that were there. At one point, I was getting angry at the system. And I was like, I need to do something. I need to do something because otherwise I'm going to be in that place. Um, okay. And so the self-care was literally just stopping and be like, okay, what am I angry at? What are, What is going on? And so like, you know, take a journal and write down everything that's wrong. It's okay. And everything that's right too. And, and then mm -hmm. make the balance. I uh, do a lot of, I go and I, I seek help much easier than better uh, than before. So I'll go to coaches. Uh, mm -hmm. I had, I, I hired a coach to help me and I think I saw her four times, but it was just life changing, right? Like mm -hmm. I uh, hired her to look at what's important for me at work. Like, what do I need? What do I like? What's important to me? So that was, you know, the best of thousand dollars, the best thousand dollars I've ever spent because I mm -hmm. would have probably been in a really bad place. And then suddenly I was like, those are the values that are important to me. And it. so I'm going to look for that. I do do meditation. I, I'm not as good as I use, I would like it to be because I know that it helps me so much. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do try to do at least 10 minutes per day and, you know, at least three times a week. Let's put it that way. Uh, I like the visualization work. I love it. Mm -hmm. I exercise regularly. I climb, which is almost meditative in a way. I love climbing. I love being around people. Uh, that's super important to me. Like being around people is very important. And I love my friends. Um, like, yeah, those are like the things, but I think, yeah, really like just being kind to myself is probably the, the number, number one, one, the number one. I yeah. love it. I love it. Alrighty. So our fun question of the day, we have three minutes left. So, all right. Woo, woo, woo. So <laughs> Dr. Isabel, if you weren't a doctor, what would you be? Uh, it's super easy for me because I I was choosing between those two before I went to medicine. Oh, I told you, 
Yeah, I told you I went to medicine because I was like, this is harder. So I'm going to start with this. Uh, but, <laughs> start with this. Yeah, but I, I'm, I would have been a historian. I love history. Like, oh. I love history. Uh, and the truth is that, you know, I started realizing, I was like, hold on, this is nothing different. In history, you're learning at the history of a group of people. In medicine, you're learning about the history of someone and their family or friends. And, you know, right. and so pulling it all in. I yeah. like history. I just think that uh, the Ooh, power of story. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, I love it. Yeah, I love, I love it. I love it. I, I think that, you know, <laughs> Already, understanding. So this was wonderful. You know, you have a, we have a lot of people in the chat that were saying like we have Dr. Una says like wow, two amazing docs. They were really, really thankful for your story. You know, thank you for this great information. Thank you, Mohammed, for stopping by. And we have another LinkedIn person saying like wow, your lymph nodes <laughs> part of like wow that I journey. Can see now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Someone says they can't wait to see the book. Yeah, so we definitely know, right? The yeah. Shima Brown that yes, you have to write that book. And then one of our lovely, lovely sisters, Dr. Sharida, um, till it says that, you know, amazing. Thank you for this powerful, powerful testimony. So we see there are a lot of people here who love, love, love what you are doing, what you have done. How can they find you? Oh, yeah. So I'm uh, Isabel Amig. I'm on LinkedIn, I believe, right? Um, and yeah. <laughs> I am. And then I'm, uh, so I'm creating my practice, which is called Unabridged MD. First, mm -hmm. it's a podcast. Uh, and so, yeah, I have a podcast called Unabridged MD. Mm -hmm. And then I am going to have my uh, practice, uh, direct care rheumatology in Denver, Colorado, and with telehealth option a little bit more nationally at unabridgedmd.com. Uh, That's the website. UnabridgedMD on love all you. the Twitter and social media handle and so on. Yeah. Oh, Thank right. you. Love Thank love you. you. Thank you so much, Dr. Isabella Meek. Thank so you, you for having me. Her <laughs> here on LinkedIn, on Facebook. If you are on LinkedIn, Dr. Isabella Meag, you can find her here. The spelling is A-M-I-G-U-E-S, Dr. Isabel. And if you are on, she has a wonderful podcast, Unabridged MD, you can go to unabridgedmd.com, find her on Unabridged on the social media, the Twitter, the Instagram, all the social media handles. Thank you so much for this wonderful, wonderful story. Dr. Isabel, you know, this Thank was you. so powerful and we've learned so much about really the fight between the left and the right side of the brain, the fight between the Eastern and the Western traditional type of medicine, how really using it together to complement each other has brought you to this point where you're able to use that to even be more a more powerful physician. So thank you for this wonderful story. Thank you so much for stopping by the Dr. Tamara Beckford show. Love, love, love you, sister. And thank you all who are watching. We would love to have you back next week. We'll see. So for another wonderful story set of powerful doctors who are doing amazing things inside and outside of clinical medicine, go to yourcaringdocs.com and hit podcast and you'll see this wonderful episode. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you.